You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Well, happy Valentine's Day to everyone, and I hope you've had a great day. In honor of Valentine's Day, I'm going to be preaching tonight on murder. Thou shalt not kill, that's our 10th commandment. And you know what? To be honest, I think it's kind of fitting. I think it is, right? Because what wife in here has not wanted to kill their husband or thought about it a few times, all right? Anybody? Yeah, I thought so. I Googled earlier, I was like, well, let me just see what the statistics are. Like, how many murders are committed? I tell you, I looked up at like two headlines, and I was like, I can't do this. It's depressing, all right? That's, I did not look at it. There's even a, and you probably know this if you know history, that the, the St. Valentine's Day massacre back in Chicago in like 29 or something. So don't, don't Google that. It's not, uh, not Valentine's Day reading, all right? And I wish we were in, you know, like First John or something tonight, but... Uh, we're in Exodus 20 on the Ten Commandments, and we're dealing with killing, all right? So uh, that's where we're at tonight, that's where, so I think the Lord has something in here for us. Exodus chapter 20, <clears throat> look down if you would please, verse number 13. I love it when God just kind of makes things clear. Thou shalt not kill unless, no, keep going there, unless thou art fired. Unless thou art cut off in traffic. No, thou shalt not kill. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Keeping in mind the first four commandments that we've talked about have dealt with our relationship to God. And the next six commandments deal with our relationship to man. And Jesus summed those two categories up perfectly by saying, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Father, bless, I pray, tonight as we're talking about a topic that we don't mean to make light of, it's a serious issue, but Lord, I pray that you give us some help and wisdom tonight with this, and, and really applying it to our own lives. I think there's a greater principle here that you would help us with this evening. We rely upon you for that, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Look, if you would, please, at Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. I think we understand what the Old Testament is saying there. It's pretty cut and dry, but we're going to get to the New Testament in just a minute. I want to get through some things here before we do that. And as you're getting to Mark chapter number 7, uh, if you want to write a few things in that helps us to understand this commandment and dealing with, <clears throat> and really a command that was instituted right after the flood in Genesis chapter 9 verse 6. And we'll see uh, that verse coming up in just a little bit here. I want you to write this in. This command stresses the fact that God is in charge. God is in charge of life and death. That, that, sh- that is his uh, territory. It should be up to him. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, For it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this is judgment. Well, who sets the appointment for life and death? Well, God does. God sets that appointment. He has the right to that. And uh, Psalm, uh, uh, I think it's on your sheet there, 6820 says, He that is our God is the God of salvation. Unto God, the Lord, belong the issues from death. So that, that is God's territory. God is the giver of life. God has the right to take it. He gives, he takes. But let's talk about for a few minutes what this command does not mean. Because you say, well, don't kill. Don't kill anything. Do you ever mow your grass? You're killing something. 
You know, what do, you, what do we do with this command? What's it talking about? First of all, it's not talking about killing of animals. Everybody okay? God commanded for animals to be sacrificed. Um, I, I actually tend to enjoy the fact that animals are killed from time to time. I mean, you say, well, that sounds weird. When I eat them. All right, so I guess we got a bunch of vegans in here because no one else is happy about that. But God also said that animals could be used for food. And there's nothing wrong with being a vegan or vegetarian. There's, of course, nothing wrong with that. More power to you. I happen to think steak is the greatest gift God ever gave us. It's steak and then salvation. I mean, it is just, no, I'm kidding. All right, but, uh, but God said, yes, you can do that. You can now, obviously, there's some things that are just common sense not to eat. You know, we talked about the puffer fish a while back. Maybe we shouldn't eat that, all right? There's some things like with spikes and thorns and snappers and, you know, whatever, and, 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 or they're poisonous to us. Maybe God's saying, don't eat that one, all right? But, but, but that is allowed. So you can't use this verse to say, you know, meat is murder. Well, no, you, you can't use that verse to say that. That's really not what it's talking about there. By the way, animals in the Old Testament, their hide was used for tents and for coverings and for clothing, and there was a lot. In fact, God, in the Garden of Eden, what did he do? He took a lamb and, and, and slew it and covered Adam and Eve. So if it was so bad, why is God doing it, right? So, animal, so killing of animals is what it doesn't mean. Secondly, it's not talking about burglars, Burglars, robbers, people breaking in. This is a strange, uh, specific thing that it says in Exodus 22.2. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall be no bloodshed for him. So God has allowed some self-preservation. You got somebody breaking into your house and he happens to meet Mr. Smith and Wesson when he does. Then, you know, then, then God, what that's saying is, look, you're protecting your family. That's okay. That, that is uh, what we see here. You're allowed to do that. Um, so burglars and, and uh, killing of animals, capital punishment. Capital punishment. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. When we delay punishment, by weeks and months and years and decades, what is there to prevent people from continually doing the same punishment? But when someone gets in trouble and they are immediately punished, things change. What, you know, and I'm not saying that everybody that commits crime ought to have capital punishment. I'm not saying that at all. But when we make laws and we do not enforce them, what incentive is there for criminals to stop committing crimes? Have we not seen in L.A. County here that we have uh, made it to where criminals can just get right back on the street? I was talking with the police officer in our church. He was telling me that the kids that used to come to our teen department that uh, I led to the Lord and baptized have been uh, 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 arrested several times for weapon possession. And they go right in, they go up to the desk, they pay a dollar, and they're out on bail. So why would they stop? So, of, of course, there is a, de- a deterring factor to this. What good is there of a law if there's no punishment for breaking it? And so in the Bible, yes, there was capital punishment. I don't think it's a wrong thing. I don't think it's the first thing you run to. 
but that, that is something that is, not, that is okay biblically. The next one here is war. War. You say, well, you know, should we be starting wars? Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. But war is not what it's talking about when it talks about murder. Say why? Because God ordered Israel to fight the enemy. Again, there's a self-preservation aspect of that. They're coming to take over and kill and plunder and rape and, and destroy and, and all of that kind of stuff. And God says, hey, you can defend yourself. If they didn't defeat the enemy, if Israel had not defeated the enemy, they would have been captured. And like we saw in Egypt, their hearts turned to other gods and millions would have been lost and doomed to hell. So there were times where, you know, if something is happening, even on a global scale... You know, World War II, things like that, that, that was something where you are, are uh, protecting life and things like that. That is not what this command is referring to, okay? So, secondly here, what does this mean? Would you write this in? God forbids the intentional taking of life. Again, those categories we talked about notwithstanding. Life is a gift from God. We believe God has the authority to take it. So for us to get angry... And intentionally take a life, of course, that is something that is wrong. But this is common sense. We're going to talk about something in a minute where God takes it, the Lord Jesus Christ takes it a step further. And we'll see that in just a minute there, okay? But we are made in God's image, so murder is an attack against God, is what it is. What does this include? Number one, murder. Don't do that. Genesis 9, 6. They step off the flood and out of the ark. And here's what it says. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So we're talking about a premeditated murder. We're talking about, hey, I got angry or there's hate. Uh, and and that's, that's what it's talking about. In Exodus 21, God even provided cities of refuge for people that uh, maybe committed uh, manslaughter. An accidental slaying. Where the other families, like, you know, hey, if they wanted to kill that person, these people had a city of refuge to run to to protect them from the slayer. And of course, what a great picture of Jesus Christ the cities of refuge are to protect us from the wicked ones seeking to take our lives. Amen. I'll give myself one. There we go. Murder. Number two, suicide. This is not referring to, uh, uh, this command, thou shalt not kill, refers to murder. It refers to suicide. Now, some religions teach that if a person commits suicide, that they automatically go to hell. But I've read this book many times, front, back, side to side, up and down, inside out. And there's not one shred of evidence that committing suicide takes a person to hell. It is a sin. We believe that as much as murder is a sin. If if it was uh, if 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 committing suicide sends you to hell, then committing murder would send you to hell because you're killing a person or you're killing self. It's still murder and uh, it, it's wrong. And I know this is uh, I'm not making light of suicide. Bible characters committed suicide uh, in the Bible. Uh, Samson, remember, pushed the pillars and asked God so that they could fall on him and take his life. And you'll find Samson's name in Hebrews 11. Talk about faith, by the way. Saul fell on his own sword. Ahithophel, the counselor of David, uh, when he found that his counsel wasn't being followed by Absalom, when Absalom threw David out of the kingdom, then he went to his house, put his affairs in order, and hanged himself. 
Uh, we have uh, King Zimri burn the house down upon himself. Judas. So there are deaths in, and, and suicides in the Bible. It's self-murder. It, it, it is, and it's not right. And uh, it's a sad, terrible, devastating, uh, really selfish thing is what suicide is. We don't have that right to do that. We don't have the right to murder someone else. We don't have that right to take our own lives. Amen. Thirdly there, abortion is killing. It is. Science tells us life begins at conception. And so if life begins at conception, to take life away at any point is still murder. And we've talked about abortion a couple, a couple uh, months ago on our Sunday night series. It's a topic I don't like preaching on. I don't like teaching on, but because it's so prevalent in society, we have to address it biblically. And this verse is very clear on that. Also with this, uh, euthanasia. That's how you spell it right there. All right. Euthanasia. If you were wondering. What's euthanasia? We would say maybe mercy killings. You know, some nurses got in trouble a while back. Uh, one in particular, I, I didn't read the whole thing or see the whole thing. There's a movie or a documentary about him. And he was an angel of death. He was killing people in these hospitals, like putting them out of their misery, so to speak. But, you know, and they just thought people died of natural causes. No, it's not a biblical thing. It's not a biblical thing. I just heard, a, 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 I went to eat with a pastor friend of mine last week. And uh, he talked about there's a pastor in, Mon- in Montana that's a friend of his whose, first, whose second wife is now dying of cancer, but his first wife was in so much pain, she went on her front yard and took a gun and killed herself on the front yard of her house. And now this pastor's going through a devastating... That, that's devastating. Devastating. Mercy, but she was trying to put herself out of misery. Abortion, suicide, murder, euthanasia. These are things that are not... In God's plan. It's outside of our realm of power to determine these things. That is a place and power that belong to God alone. We understand that biblically. There is there's this clarity in this biblically. But tonight I'm looking around and there's not many people in the room here that have committed murder. Um, there's not many people in the room tonight that uh, you know are serial killers. Uh, there's not many people in the room tonight that maybe struggle with, with uh, uh, those p- particular issues of killing. But I do say that there's a lot of people in the room tonight, and even the one speaking tonight, that has had to deal with the issue of anger before. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. Look at Mark chapter 7, and we only have a few minutes left, so we're going to get there quick. Mark seven twenty one. the Bible says, this is Jesus speaking, for from within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defilement. So the, the question or that we're looking at here is where does it all start? Go, if you would, to Matthew 5. Back a book in your Bible, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, 21. This is what's known as the Sermon on the the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Probably the greatest message ever preached in the history of the world. Jesus preached it. Starts off with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, it's just a wonderful message. Most of what we preach can be found in this message here. The Lord just hit it all. But 
in this passage, Jesus is taking what was said in the Old Testament, specifically these laws in, uh, uh, in, in Exodus 20, and not just saying, yeah, keep doing the same thing. He makes it more strict. <coughs> so, oh, we live under, the, under grace under the New Testament. Yeah, but you've got to realize that, that, that grace leads us to, to righteousness and holiness. And so Christ took it up a level in here. And uh, look what it says here in, in Matthew 5, 21. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. They're going to get in trouble for it. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if that, we'll, we'll get to that part later. Would you write this in? The Bible tells that murder starts in the heart. Murder starts in the heart. Now, we've got people in here from all different backgrounds, and some of you were, were in trouble before you got saved and all that, but now that you're saved, I, I would rec- think that most people in here are not actively considering murder. So you say, well, pastor, how does this apply? Jesus is saying, don't murder, don't kill, but he's also saying, don't even be angry with your brother without a cause. Don't, don't even wish harm or evil or death upon someone else. Don't even do that, right? The Pharisees were concerned with keeping the law externally. But Jesus was concerned with what was happening internally. So he's saying, look, you you Pharisees and people are only thinking, okay, if I don't kill, it's okay. I can hate this person as much as I want. I can despise them. I can revile them. I can slander them. But as long as I don't pull the trigger, it's all okay. And Jesus says, no. It matters what's in here. It matters what's in here. In 1 John 3.15, the Bible says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Wow, that's strong language. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Uh, one commentator, Warren Wearsby, said, Anger is murder in the heart. Let me, let me just dig into this for a second here. How is that true? How is that thought true? Because anger in the heart is what leads to murder. No one is, you know, unless they are a complete sociopath where they have, they're devoid of emotion and there's like demonic possession or something, it's anger that gets people to the point where they do something drastic like that. There was anger in the heart before they acted it out. If the feeling in the heart of anger was fully acted out, it would end in murder. In other words, on your sheet here, the roots of murder are angry thoughts. Angry thoughts. The roots of murder are angry thoughts. I know people, and, and look, I understand there are people that, you know, to get into a certain gang, you got to do this. And, to, you know, and then, you know, it's just a crime of passion. Or we just heard about the chief's parade and, and, and a bunch of people being shot. There's a terrible thing. Terrible thing. Obviously, there's some mental delusion going on in some people. Even Joel Osteen's church just had someone get killed in there who had a gun on them or something. You know, obviously, there's mental issues. There's things like that. But, but the, the Lord is talking about murder here coming out from the heart. It, it, it's the roots of that is the heart, and there's anger in the heart. 
Anger. Why do people join gangs? There's usually a lot of anger going on. Why do people do foolish things and road rage and, and snap at a parade? Anger is going on. Now, that's pretty convicting. So why? Have you had angry thoughts about somebody this week? Am I the only sinner in the room? I had to have a talk with myself on the road yesterday. You ever had one of those talks? Your, probably doesn't, your, your, your talk doesn't start like this. Hey, pastor. That's how my talks start to myself. So I'm going down Orange Avenue to do the noble deed of buying my wife a bouquet of flowers. I'm going to buy my daughters. I get my daughters every year a rose to give to them and uh, deliver it at school for Zoe. And when Kelly's old enough, I'll do the same thing for her. And uh, going down the road, and somebody dared to turn in front of me. Now, you've got to understand, this goes way back. My wife one time said, why do you always use traffic illustrations when you're talking about anger? It's my moment of temptation. It's my struggle. And where I grew up in the country, there were not cars on the road. Like you would drive down the road and you may see farm equipment. And you may look way in the distance and see a car. And then you still feel like they're too close to you. Like if you can see any automobile in your rear view mirror, you're like, what's this guy doing on my tail? They're a mile back. But what would drive us, and, and, and because I get this honestly from my father, so I'm going to blame it all on my dad. But uh, if someone would pull out in front of you, an older person usually, maybe not, and there was no one behind you, but they made you slow down, the, it was nuclear holocaust in the car. I have stories of embarrassment that I have, you know, things I've done. And, uh, and so it goes way back, and I'm dealing with it. My, my three counselors are helping me uh, through this. And uh, who's your counselors? Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I guess. But anyway, um, but, uh, anyway I, I was on the road, and, and this guy pulled out in front of me, and, and I just... I thought about it for a second, and I thought, no. And I just, my foot, for some reason, just started pushing the pedal down. And I was getting closer and closer to the car. And then I was like, what are you doing? So I let up. And then he was going to turn on south here. And I just, you know, you just kind of have to see what type of person would do that. And so I gave him the stairs I went by. And I drove across the stoplight. And I just felt like I got a psh, 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 psh in my car. Not, no one was with me. <laughs> it wasn't my wife reaching over. You know, it. It, was, it was this the Lord saying, um, is that what you want to be? And I had a talk with myself in the car yesterday. I probably looked crazy to people. I was like, really? Really? That's going to be what does it for you, huh? You're going to get shot on the road one day. And I said, you know what? It's not even about being shot. It's about, is that what you want? And I'm giving myself, I'm preaching a message to me. Did I get right on this bumper? No. Did I you know, shake a, bur- a fist at him? I didn't do any of that. I did flip him off, but that's a different story. No, I'm kidding, I didn't. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I'm just kidding. But as, as I went by, like, I didn't even do anything dramatic, but I, I knew that, I knew that, why did that, why did that do that in my heart? Like, there's, that convicted me. And I wasn't even, I didn't have this message fully prepared then. I share that with you because I know none of you ever struggle with this. It's just me. Look at verse 22. 
I'm not usually, I'm not, I'm never angry. Like this, it, but in the car, some reason. It says, verse 22, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Oh, look, somebody steps on your toe and slaps you in the face. Okay, there's a cause. You're supposed to calm down. You're supposed to deal with it logically, not respond. But some people are just angry and resentful and bitter at somebody else, really without a good cause. And God says, you better watch out about that. To be angry means enraged. Uh, then it says here, i got to go quickly here, whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka. Raka means empty-headed. It was a slur. It was a, a, a put-down back in the day. It was name-calling. And then it says that you'll be in danger of the council. The council is the word Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council of 70 people that had a hand in crucifying Christ. So you're going to go before the, the council if you go too far with this. And then it says, uh, the next part, but, the, uh, but whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Consummate fool. <coughs> the Greek word is moros, where we get the word moron from. You ever call somebody a moron? I think it's interesting, though, that it says, shall be in danger of hellfire. Hellfire is the Greek word Gehenna, which is a Hellenized version of the Valley of Hinnom, which is outside of Jerusalem. It's south, southwest of Jerusalem is the Valley of Hinnom. What happened is it used to be a very pleasant, peaceful valley. But in the time of the kings, they began to set up idols there of Molech, the god we talked about recently, who, had, who was heated up. He was a bronze statue with a horse head or a horse or something like that, with a crown on, and his hands outstretched, and they would put babies in to kill them and burn in the fire. It was a wicked place. When Josiah the king came in, Josiah destroyed that. But that was really, it became their garbage dump. They would cast out carcasses. They would put their trash and refuse and, and, uh, and everything else would go into that dirty, nasty area there. Uh, they would do public executions in the Valley of Hinnom. The smell was terrible. There was pestilence through there because of the dead carcasses and the human waste and all the other things that were there. Because of that, fires were kept burning continually. Fires kept burning to purify the air uh, more than it was and to purify the grounds. They kept that fire burning continually. Albert Barnes, one commentator of of years ago, said, The extreme loathsomeness of the place, the filth and uh, putrefaction, the corruption of the atmosphere, and the lurid fires blazing by day and night made it one of the most appalling and terrific objects as in terrifying, with which a Jew was acquainted. And that's what God, that's what the Lord Jesus used to picture hell to the Jewish person. The most foul, disturbing, continual burning place is what Jesus used to describe hell. It's worse than we could ever imagine. And what is he saying? There are degrees, right? There's degrees of anger. Anger in the heart maybe leads to name-calling. Maybe it leads to abuse of some kind, which may lead to even murder. But there are degrees in punishment, too. And I think it's not saying here that if you get angry and do something, that you lose your salvation. I think what it's saying is there is a certain level of anger. And, and, and it was said earlier in First John three fifteen, whosoever hated his brother as a murderer, is that maybe if there is this level of animosity and and anger in your heart, you ought to go back and say, okay, 
was my conversion real? Because if I was truly saved, and this wonderful, loving, benevolent God moved in, love should have moved in with him. Love should have moved in with him. And so I'm not saying if you get angry, you're not saved. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there is a level you get to where it's like, okay, I need to stop and even just make sure and, 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 and look back on this. Would you write this in? Whether you are angry with someone, spewing insults at someone, or committing murder, the attitude of the heart is the same. And that is what God sees. See, I don't think we take it serious enough, our sin sometimes. God says, when you are angry without a cause, you're just soon angry. You're just always blowing up. You've always got a problem with somebody. That there's a big problem there in the heart. You know, as a parent, I don't want my kids to just obey the rules. I don't want them just to obey so they won't get in trouble with me. I don't want them to want sin in their heart, but then only, only do right because they know I'm going to make them do right. No, what I want for my kids, you know, because why do I, I want them to adopt those, those same beliefs because if not, when they get out from under my authority, they're going to do what's in their heart. And the Lord is looking at our heart saying, you know, you don't just not murder because God will punish you. There is a, a heart condition that God is looking for. A heart thing that God wants, a purity there, and a love to rule in our hearts and not an anger. So what's the answer that Jesus gives? Verse 23, Therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, thou be cast into prison. It's the same chapter where God says, hey, uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say, and you love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them. I think there's some people that deal with anger, and, it, and you can usually trace that anger back to some type of trauma, some type of issue that was never dealt with. And what you need to realize is, well, it's not hurting. I'm not lashing. I'm not killing anybody. Your heart condition isn't right before God. And you need to take that to the Lord and get that thing right and get that thing some help. And then if there is anger, uh, 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 what, what does it say the word there? Uh, without a cause, unjust, just for no reason, you've got anger against someone else. You better, look, if it's something that you need to go to somebody, then you better go to somebody. You better make it right because the Lord is using very serious terms about dealing with anger. On your sheet tonight, is your heart attitude right with God and man? Is there anger in your heart towards something? You can get angry about sin, but if there is just without a cause, you are just angry, holding things, wishing harm upon people, that is not a Christian mindset. That is not a heart that Christ has. And maybe there's some tonight that you've had a bitterness or an anger against somebody and you need to go make it right. This thing of anger is a big issue for most people. It's an issue for men. It's a bigger issue usually. And I would encourage us, hey, let's look at this thing from the biblical viewpoint and say, look, no, God is concerned not just with the actions of my hands but with the attitude of my heart. 
And I want to make sure that my heart is right with God.